What's up, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Mindset Podcast. Today, we have the honor and privilege of speaking with Ryan David, better known as Mr. AB, a psychology professor at Miami-Dade College. But Ryan isn't your average professor. He's faced many obstacles to get to where he is today, which taught him many things throughout his journey. He not only educates in the classroom, but also on the big stages and even online with his YouTube channel. In this conversation, we covered so many different topics like the importance of networking, having an empowering mindset, and even what to do when your back is against the wall. This is one of our favorite episodes so far, so I hope you enjoy it too. Stay tuned, everybody. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Mindset Podcast. Our guest today is without a doubt the coolest professor you will ever hear from. Ryan David, better known as Mr. AB. He is a certified life coach, speaker, and CEO of the Ryan David Foundation. Mr. AB is also a professor of psychology at Miami-Dade College's Homestead Campus, Go Sharks, and a former K-12 school counselor. Mr. AB, welcome to the podcast. What an intro, man. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Awesome, man. It was was hard to do that intro because you sent me so much information, information, Mr. (laughs) AB, that I had to piece it together. I'm like, dude, this guy has it all. You know, one of those rules in life, man, over-deliver, man, under-promise and over-deliver, man. So I figured I'd give you more information than you needed, then you guys can pick what you needed for your podcast, you know, with me. Let me tell you, if all of our guests had that type of info that you gave us, man, we would be set for, you know, for many episodes, man, but we appreciate it. Uh, Before we really get 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 started into the juice, man, I really want to pick your mind a little bit. These warm-up questions are are some, uh, Anthony and I, we clearly pride ourselves on our warm-up questions. They're actually a little harder than we expect them to be, honestly. Um, but the first one is, if you were to go on a hiking trip for one week and you can only take three things with you, what would you take? Okay, so you guys are about to find out a lot about me right out the gate. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a simple dude. So I ask questions. When, some, when somebody asks me questions, I often ask questions. So here's the thing about that question. When you say three things, does like my best friend count as a thing? Or, or does it have to be inanimate objects, not people? It could be people. Okay, okay. So, and then the second question before I give you my three. Are we talking like aside from the necessities, like enough water, a sleeping bag, a tent, food? Like, are we talking aside from that stuff? Yeah, we should have probably mentioned that in the beginning. Yeah. Okay, besides, all right. You know, otherwise, I'm taking food, water, and a sleeping bag. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, if I have everything I need to survive the tent, the, the, the little trip or the, or the, I guess I'm taking, I'm taking, well, I'll do the objects first. I don't know. I, I was thinking about like, I would take my best friend if I, w- if I was single. If I wasn't single and I was dating somebody, then I'd take my chick. And the reason why you think, well, you take your chick over your best friend. And the reason why is because on, a, on something like this, like a hike, right? Something that's that, you know, to me, I, I love traveling. That would be an, an amazing experience. I got to test the chick to see if she's best friend quality, right? Best friend material. That's so I'm going to bring you on something I would bring my best friend on to see if, you know, and if we vibe like that, then okay, that's another step and notch in it. So, and my best friend would understand and support that. So, <laughs> so if we could bring people, it would be one of those two. And then I was thinking like, you know, objects, maybe, um, I, I hesitate to say bring a cell phone because you think, well, you're going to get away from, but here's where self-discipline comes into play mm-hmm. because with a cell phone, you have the camera, you can capture some of those memories, right? Yeah. But you also can take notes and write things down that you're thinking about. If you're meditating, if you're deep in thought, you want to remember some things. That's how I would use my phone. I wouldn't post stuff. I wouldn't contact. So maybe I probably would bring a cell phone for those reasons, you know, and also for safety reasons. And if I bring a cell phone, I don't know if I bring a flare gun because if the cell phone goes dead or I lose that, then I'm stuck. Maybe the flare gun, if the flare gun 
sleeping bag and a water, if that's included, then I would bring probably a firearm just for safety purposes. So I bring my okay. chick, my phone, and a gun. <laughs> How's that? Nice. I like the way you the think. Most, that is the most interesting combination I've ever heard anybody yeah. answer. Awesome. Oh, you ask other people that same question. You we, start with that I think same we've one. asked it one or two, two times, Gabe. It's funny because we actually got asked that question yeah. on a podcast. And nice. we, had a similar, we had a similar answer to you. We're like, oh, we'll take each other. You know, right. they were completely like, what? Like, we didn't even, we didn't expect Perfect that. Answer. I like the way you think. I like the way Great you think. Great minds think alike. Yeah, yeah. man. Like you want to, for me, when you say go on a hike, like I want to share my experiences, Absolutely. right? That's to me, it's, 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 it's awesome to experience it. But like, as you get older, you start realizing that life is to be shared with people that you care about, with people that you, so taking your friend, like you said, that's perfect, man, for sure. Definitely. That's a good one. And then this second warm up question is, is really interesting to me. And I, I'm always intrigued to, to hear what the guests have to say. Uh, so here we go. It says, what's your biggest pet peeve? Ooh. Oh boy. Y'all ain't ready. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. You're going to learn even more about me now. So <laughs> it's interesting because my biggest pet peeve hands down is, 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 is an obvious one. So my biggest pet peeve is willful ignorance, mm -hmm. willful ignorance. And I don't, I say willful ignorance because we're all ignorant to things. Right. But most of us, especially you guys, when you're open-minded, when you find that you're ignorant to something, you want to learn and correct that and you open your mind. Willful ignorance is when you know you don't know something and you intentionally avoid it so that you don't have to face that fact or that information. Right. Because either it doesn't agree with you or because you're not ready to have that accept it. And so willful ignorance to me, when someone is, is acceptingly ignorant about something, that just grinds my gears because I'm all about an open mind. I'm all about the mindset that it takes to learn and to grow. And you're not ever going to grow if you're accepting the fact that your, mind, that your mind is closed and made up. So willful ignorance for me in a person, and, and it's, you can tell when it's pervasive through and through with somebody when they're willfully ignorant. You just have a simple conversation with them and you can see right away. So for me, that's hands down. But if you're looking more for, I got a couple honorable mentions. That's a big one across the board. Honorable mentions that probably may be more interesting to other people. That might be the most interesting to you guys because of where your heads are at. Honorable mentions, nail biting. Mm. Nail biting for me is a huge pet peeve when someone bites their nails. And you might think, well, wh why does what someone else do like that with their body matter? Well, for me, it's, I'll just, I'll talk about nail biting briefly, then I'll give you the other two. And it's a little deeper than most people probably think. Probably, think, oh, he doesn't like nail biting because it's disgusting. Well, it is disgusting, but that's not the reason why actually it's such a turnoff to me. To me, when somebody bites their nails, and my best friend had this bad habit for a long time, so this isn't really like an attack on anybody, even though people are going to feel attacked right now. To me, the reason why nail biting is such a turnoff and it's such a pet peeve is because it, it, to me, it signifies anxiety on some level within that person. It's a manifestation of some sort of psychological dissonance that they're going through. It's, it's an external manifestation. And my thing is, if you know you bite your nails, then by default, you can know then that there's something going on internally, that you're anxious about something. And going back to willful ignorance, if you know you're anxious about something based on your own behaviors and you're not doing anything about it, that's a turnoff to me. Mm. So, you know, this is, like I say, you will learn a lot about me. I like to analyze things, but it, it's deeper than just nail biting. Y'all follow me on that right. one? Is that right? It, it's, it's able to, to learn body language. Cause that, that, I think that would be considered. Sure. Body language, right? It absolutely yeah. is. And, yeah. It's a display of behavior. It's a display of behavior. Right. Yeah, exactly. Body language. And you're showing something. It's all body language is a display of something going on internally. So mm -hmm. for me, that one, um, 
you could be the most beautiful, not that either one of you guys are the most beautiful chick in the world, but you could be the most beautiful, sexy chick in the world. And I'll kick you out of bed for biting your nails, man. You got to go. Because your mindset to me is a complete turnoff. Like, it's, mm. I can't just stay right. on the physical. That's just me. So it'll be a huge turnoff for me. That's nail biting. Number two, slow drivers. <laughs> slow drivers. I was going to say bad drivers, but I Preach. consider slow drivers. They just kill me, bro. Like, it's... <laughs> I don't have patience on the road. I need to, I need to work on that, but slow drivers, huge pet peeve. That's an honorable mention. And then third smoking cigarettes, cigarettes, particularly cigarettes, cigarette smoking, smoking. It just, the smell and, and the habit, how, how dangerous and bad it is for the person. It, I can deal with it. I can handle, I just, but for me, it just, it's something about it, man. I just, and, and if you look at it, like, think about this for a second, aside from slow driving, that's just me personally, I'm annoyed. But the nail biting and the smoking cigarettes, you got to remember something. The judgment and the pet peeve and the reason why it bothers me really is, in, is, is for, is, is, is it bothers me in a way that actually, like, it bothers me because the person could be better. Right. Like, they could be better. Right. And it's not me saying, they, they, you know, I'm better than them. It's just saying, look, I'm, I, I'm annoyed by something that you could control that you're not controlling, that you could be better. Like smoking, it's bad for your health, man. And, and, and it's not a good look. Like tighten up, nail biting. Look, you got something going on. Address it. Like you right. deal with the anxiety. So for me, and that might be a, a little spin, but those pet peeves, and I don't want to just look, because I don't want to look like I'm just complaining because it bothers me. You know, there's a relevance there. Slow driving is an inconvenience. It's probably the only one that's <laughs> personal. <laughs> So what happens when you encounter someone who on the road, who's driving slow, who's biting their nails and who has a cigarette on the other hand? Oh, see, <laughs> that's why y'all do what y'all do. That is incredible. That's amazing. Um, so what happens there? Do, do you like self-destruct or? No, 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 no. See, that's where all my, that's where all my discipline and all my, all my skills come into play. Everything I teach, I got to, I got to walk, I got to walk the talk. Yeah. Um, look, man, I let people be, you know, I let people be. I let people do them like that's they're in their car doing their thing. So it's not a matter like they don't they're not in, in my my life. So I'm not going to impede their lives. Like, I don't know that person. I'm not going to jump in their car and say, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Hey, it's yeah. your life, bro. But if, right. if I get to know you or I meet you right. or we interact and there's an opportunity for me to try and impress something upon you that's going to help you, you know, maybe a clue. Maybe I give a lot of tough love, man. I try to make sure, you know, I care about you and I respect you first. And then right. I put pressure on you to be better because I'm always trying to put pressure on me to be better. Yeah. Right. I heard a quote from Michael Jordan. He said something to the effect of, I think it was Tony Robbins interviewing Michael Jordan. And he said, what makes you so great, Mike? Like, why are you as good as you are? You know? And Mike said, because I expect more from me than any coach, any GM, any teammate ever could. Once you demand more of yourself than anybody else could, there's no pressure from the external. It's, yeah. it's all you. But see what happens for somebody like that, somebody like me an achiever is that rubs off on the people around you. But sometimes people that can't handle that, they feel intimidated by that. Mm. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword in a sense. So I got to be mindful about how far and how much you can, you know, give to somebody or, or share with somebody or encourage somebody or, or feedback to give them because maybe they're not ready for that. So if somebody's driving in a car, you know, that to each his own, man, like keep it moving. But yeah. if they pull over and stop and want to come up and talk to me and have a conversation, <laughs> then I might have a different approach. But that's funny, man. That, that is real funny. Now, if they're slow driving, I might, I might go around them and, and, and cut them off, not so aggressively. But other than that, they can do what they got to do. That's, that's a good one, bro. That's really good. At this. That's funny, bro. Yeah. I'm sure you see a lot of those combinations here in Miami, man. We're full of full, uh, slow drivers here, man. It's Dude, there might not be another place in the country that has more of a combination of those three things that you just talked about, bro. So. Anxious people that don't know how to drive and stay puffing on them cigarettes. Yeah, you're right about that. Yep. 
So for everybody listening, that was just the warm-up question. So we're about to get into the juicy stuff. <laughs> um, so Ryan, let's get let's go ahead and get started. I mean, like Anthony mentioned in the intro, we have never I've never personally heard of a professor as cool as you with that background, with all the things that you do, YouTube speaking. Um, you have so many things going on in your life, and I'm really curious to know. Just tell us the story of how all those things, you know, came to be and how you're able to tie them all together in, in what you're doing now. Sure, man. The first thing I'll say is I, it means so much to me and I appreciate the compliment. I, I, I love the fact that, that the younger folks, the young guys like you and that that perception is that I'm cool and, and it means a lot. It, it does. The thing about that is, and I always try to point this out, I don't, I don't make an effort to try and be cool or be known as that. And I think that might be one of the reasons that, that I come across the way that I do because it's, it's, to me, what's funny is, and especially the older I get, the more I realize what's important to me is, I definitely want to be, I want to be a professor that is relatable. And instead of cool, let's say relatable, right? Mm -hmm. I do want to be that guy. I want to be that professor for my students. I want to be known as that person. But what's more important to me, and I try to teach like this, I try to interact with my students like this, is, is that I'm seen as knowledgeable and, and that I'm an effective professor. Because it's real easy to be the cool teacher, right? The cool guy. But if that's all you are, are you good at your job or are you just cool? Like, I want to be both. And so it's important to me that I carry myself and I try to teach in a way that, sure, maybe, you know, I'm cool or some people might even think I'm good looking, but I don't get caught up in that stuff. That stuff is, that's, that's really just, that's who I am. I don't, you know, it's just, it's not really, I want to put the work in to be the best professor I can be. So I just want to clarify and preface it with that because it's real easy to pigeonhole and stereotype people of just, that's all he is and, and, it, and it happens that way. But it means a lot to me that you guys feel that way and that, and that I come across that way because I, I want to be able to connect first so that then I can, you know, impact and, and influence the younger generation. So that's very important to me. As for my story, man, do you guys like stories? Do, do, do we do stories on this podcast? We're here for, man. We love stories. We're here for, we love it. Because, dude, you know, you might ask some of my, you know, former students, man, I'm storytelling king. I try to take in class when I'm teaching, I try to take the content that I'm trying to teach and trying to get across to my students. I try to take yeah. that and infuse that and work that into my life experiences and tell a story that makes it more relatable. Hmm. That way they can understand it. Mm -hmm. In this case, you asked about my journey for the most part, how I got to where I am today, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much in terms of the professor, the YouTube channel, the coaching. So if I can tell the shortest long story that I possibly can here, I want to, and to, to get to the, to get to the nuts and bolts of the professor and where I am today, I want to go back actually, and I want to start with a little bit of a backstory so you can know how everything adds up. Because as I've gotten older, you know, the older you get, the more you look back and you see how all the dots connected. There's a great, great quote from Steve Jobs, right? You can't connect the dots looking forward. Mm. You can only connect them looking back. And that means when you look back, you see that that dot led to that dot led to that. And that's why you are where you are right now. You can't tell where you're going. You just have to trust that the next step is going to eventually lead you to where you need to be the same way the last few steps have led you to where you are right now. Yeah. So as you get older, you have more steps to look back on. And when you look, and I look back on these steps and I start to see what, how everything's connected and it's just amazing. And it gives you, it gives you promise and hope to think that maybe right now what I'm doing, I don't know, I don't know what really what, what the value is or what it means or exactly how it's going to play out long-term, but let me learn something from this. Let me make sure this step, I, I maximize this because who knows how it's going to play out in the future. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to, Pretty much how some things started for me, I'll, really quickly, I'll say, coming out of high school, graduating high school, um, 
my mom filled out my paperwork for college. She was a school counselor at my high school. By the way, my background, my family, I have my mom, my dad, and my stepdad, they're all retired educators from Miami Dade County Public School System. So that's a little bit of my background as far as influence on me from, in terms of education. Coming out of high school, my mom filled out the paperwork. Um, I was a political science major. And I think that's because I like to argue, debate, talk. I was intellectual, I was articulate. My mom thought this guy's going to be a lawyer or a politician or something. She filled it out. So I got to, I got to, I went off to school. I went to UWF in Pensacola. Shout out West Florida, Argonauts. And I got up there to Pensacola. And, um, you know, I go through my first two years, not even thinking about a major, just knocking out the first two years. You, you know, your, your prereqs is 60 credits or whatever. And it comes time to make a decision on what I want to major on. And at the time I met, my freshman year, I met my girlfriend at the time, my freshman year, the girlfriend I met, she was a psych major. She was two years older than me. She was the president of a sorority as well. She was from Boca Raton. So we kind of clicked because both of us were from South Florida and everybody knew it. So they kind of like pushed us together. <laughs> you, you, hey, you need to meet, they called me Broham. That was my nickname for my fraternity. You need to meet Broham. And so we, we, we linked up, but she actually was the inspiration and the influence from, um, in terms of psychology for me. She, she really introduced me to psychology as a, as a field, as a discipline. I fell in love with it. I already had the counseling background for my mom and I had a little bit of that, those skills in me, but she introduced me to psychology. So I changed my major to psychology and got my undergraduate degree in psychology, went on to go and start my master's and I had a decision to make what I was going to get my master's in. And long story short, as far as that is concerned, I chose to do school counseling. I went the education route. I got a master's in school counseling instead of a master's in psychology. And for a couple of reasons why, one, I was probably guaranteed to have a job pretty quickly in education, being that I had the connections that I had. And if we get a chance, we'll talk about networking because here's my one first example of networking. Yeah. A prior example I didn't talk about was how much the fraternity was influential before this point. But so I chose education, school counseling over a master's degree in in psychology because I figured not only would it be practical I could get that job but also it was still in the field of mental health to a certain extent of what I wanted to do mm -hmm. so graduated got my master's degree education came home started working in the school system got a job 2004 started my career as a school counselor and um, 2004 2005 2006 and just a little background school counseling worked uh, K through 12 uh, throughout my career but I started in, in middle school started uh, started in middle school at my middle school actually but not those details aren't necessarily very important relative to what your original question was, was how we got to here. But I want to let you know, I started a school system. So a school counselor, 04, 5, 6, 7, 8, and in 09, 2009, I had bought a home, uh, my first home. I remodeled the town home. Um, I'm making a, a counselor salary, which is a teacher salary. So I realized, man, money's kind of, it's kind of tight because you don't get into education for money. So I realized, you know, I kind of don't have an opportunity to make a lot of bread here. I'm not in the private sector, so on and so forth. So um, I kind of was like, man, I had a little bit of debt from remodeling. I want to do more. And my best friend at the time, 2009, he basically encouraged me. I flew out to Houston to see him and his family. When I was out there, they had like an intervention and they said, you need to apply to be on the show, Big Brother. I don't know if you guys or your viewers know about Big Brother. It's a reality TV show, CBS, like 20 seasons long. <laughs> Big Brother is basically, they lock everybody in a room, 12 contestants, and you don't leave for like three months. You compete, you vote people out. It's like Survivor in a house. Wow. And there's like, you have to team up and you have to vote people out. There's like psychological warfare, physical activities, games, whatever, befriending, all that stuff. So they're like, you would be perfect for this, this show. You have to apply. And I'm like, get out of here, man. I never even heard of this show before. <laughs> so I'll fast forward. I come home. I look it up. And I say, you know what? The, the, prize, the prize money here, first place wins half a million dollars. I, I think I can, I think I can, I can, I can, I can mess with this right now. Give so it I a actually shot. start, I, what'd you say? You can give it a shot. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. So I, st I start applying and as I'm applying, I see they're doing casting calls in Tampa. So I thought, you know, F this application, I'm gonna go over here and apply in person. I'm gonna go to the casting call. I'll fast forward. I go over to Tampa, go into the casting call. I kill it. 
kill it. They sit down, five people, look, one of the casting directors sits there, boom, boom, boom. I kill the interview. And I know I do walking out. They say, all right, thanks a lot. We'll call you tonight if you pass, da, da, da. They call me that night. Hey, man, did really well. How would you like to come downtown for a one-on-one interview, recorded an interview that we're going to tape and send to the producers tomorrow, at, you know, downtown at this hotel. Like, Absolutely. Next day, I go downtown, sit down, 30-minute interview, spotlight, guy asking questions. I kill it. And I know I do because it just was, it flowed and you get a reaction. Yeah. So I felt real good about it. Flew through it. And mind you, this isn't like a life or death thing. Like, I, this is on a whim. If it happens, it happens. Right, right. One story short, he says, all right, thanks for the interview. You know, thanks for your time, da da da, da. We're going to give you a call in about three to four weeks if we want you to, if we want, if we're interested and we'll fly you out to California. If so, if you don't hear from us, thanks for playing. Like, all right. Three weeks go by, four weeks go by, like fifth week, I'm at the elementary school. I'm walking out to dismissal. My phone rings. This is guy Juan, casting director. Some, uh, what's the area code in LA? Uh, whatever. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Three, I don't know. But I don't know this number. I answer. Hey, is this Ryan David? Hey, man. What's going on? This is Juan, casting director. Hey, uh, the uh, producers for the show, Big Brother, want, want to know if you want to be, fly out to LA to, as a finalist for the show. And I'm like, I sat down. He's like, yeah, man, you made it. One of 25 finalists to go out and audition for the producers of the show. They flew me out to LA. That's a separate story in and of itself. But I'll get to the reason why I'm telling you that story now. I go out there. I'm geeked, right? I'm one of 25 guys in the country get selected to be on this TV show, possibly compete for half a million dollars. So I go out there. That experience in and of itself was crazy. You get out there. They tell you, you know, wait for this truck. When this truck, everything's secretive because you can't know the other contestants on the show. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't want you to know who you're going to be competing with. Right. So get in this truck, go to this hotel, say this name at the front desk, go to this room, you get locked in your room, you have lunch time, you have breakfast time, you have gym time, and otherwise you're just there. <laughs> go through a couple of days, long story short, I, hit, I go into my interview with the producers, and I sit down, and I walk out of there feeling horrible. It did not go the way I wanted to go. I just did not get a good vibe. But they asked me some questions. I thought they were looking for different answers. I was honest. Didn't feel good. Like six hours later, they called me and said, hey, man, we're going to... We're going to move on. Thanks for that. They flew me home. I was devastated, y'all. Devastated. I shouldn't have taken it so hard, but I was devastated. I was like, damn, man. And this is really something for your viewers, man. This could go one of two ways, or for your listeners, sorry, or viewers, and you guys. It can go one of two ways when you're that close to success and you don't get it, or when you're that close to accomplishing something and you don't get it. You can do one of two things. You can crawl under a rock and feel sorry for yourself, or you can stay hungry and tap into the drive and the fire that you need to push through and get over whatever the next thing is and make up for that. And that's what happened to me. I just came home and I was devastated. But after 24 hours, like I had this hunger. I was like, yo, if, if I just killed that and got that far doing that, like I can do anything right now. Let me. So this is a story that comes full circle back to Miami Day College. So when I came home, I didn't know what to do. They were, they were at the time, they were building a bunch of things in Homestead, Olive Garden, Longhorn Steakhouse, so on and so forth, a bunch of stuff they were building. Yeah. You know where this is going. I came home as a school counselor with a master's degree. I applied to be a server, a bar back, a bus boy, a, a manager. I didn't care to all those restaurants. Like I wanted to hustle. I wanted to get money. I was ready to do something. And I went down the road. I applied to adult ed for the school system. And I went around the corner to Miami Day College Homestead campus. And I walked in as a lady named Wendy Carlson. And I said, there's any way I can teach you? Here's my background, so on and so forth. A couple weeks later, she says, sure, we can hire you as an adjunct teaching SLS. Like two months later, three months later, I got a class. I had my first SLS class, 2009, summer of 2009. And I started, and that's where my journey in Miami Day started as an adjunct professor. So I'll fast forward here. 2009, I'm a school counselor at elementary school. Three o'clock, 3.30, I get off. I go down to Homestead campus, start teaching at night, psychology classes, SLS classes. And so I'm school counselor, adjunct. 09, 10, 11, 12. I'm doing this, doing both. And um, five years after doing this, I start to really, really enjoy 
the professor start part. I really love what I'm doing. I'm starting to work with, with folks like you guys, young, bright minds, open minds that are, and I'm like, man, this is really it. I loved working with the little ones, but I couldn't have an influence on them the same way I can with young adults. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a chance to work with them, honestly, because as a school counselor, you use it as an administrator more than you are a counselor oftentimes, but that's a different story for a different day. So I got hungry and thirsty and I was just like, ah, I want to do this professor thing. So in 2012, I started to ask myself, I was like, I got I to gotta do something here. And I had my own life coach at, at the time. Um, I would go to a holistic institute, get acupuncture, massage therapy, and guided meditation from a guy who was essentially ended up being my life coach. And we would talk about some things and give me some advice. I'd learn some things on through him. And I basically I contacted him and I said, listen, I, I got to figure something out, man. I got to do something else. I don't know if I should go back to school and get my PhD, and get my doctorate and start my own practice in psychology or what. And he said, why don't you just get your certification, become a life coach and do what you've been doing for like 10 years? You're already a coach. You coach students, you coach parents, you coach your friends. You already had the skill set. Why don't you just go get paid for it? And so for me, he's like, and I'm like, really? And, and I'm damn. So I started thinking about that. At the same time, 2013, I had been a student of Tony Robbins probably for five, eight, maybe a decade already at that point, right? So yeah, I was really listening to him. Flew out to my first UPW, Unleash the Power Within seminar. Flew out to California in the spring of 2013. Four day seminar out in California, game changer. Came back, just so many different, talk about your mindset shift. I mean, that guy is, that guy is a master in terms yeah. of your mindset. So yeah. I came back with a whole different view of things. And one of the things that I did was I said, I'm taking this thing and I'm running with it. I came back, I got incorporated. I did all the paperwork to be legally incorporated as the Ryan David Foundation, uh, as an S corporation. I got all of my tax paperwork. And so I did all the behind the scenes stuff to be official, to start my coaching business. I got my certification to be a life coach in 2013. So I started building the groundwork, the foundation of this thing I really wanted to do, right? But I'm still a school counselor and I'm still an adjunct. So 13, I'm building it, I'm dabbling. Tony Robbins calls it dabbling. I'm dabbling, I'm touching it here. I'm writing blogs here, I got ideas here. 13 comes, 14 comes, 15 comes, 2015. An opportunity opens up for a professor position, full-time psychology at Miami Dade College. I apply to it. I get a callback for the first interview. Right after that, another position opens up, senior academic advisor. I've never shared this story publicly, by the way, so this is going to be really relevant. I don't want to take up the whole time for this story, but this is, this is really the, this is the grand finale here. So I applied to the psychology, professor psychology position. That's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But this other one opens up at Homestead Campus, specifically, Senior Academic Advisor. And long story short, the, the campus president, Dr. Jacobs, told me in a conversation, hey, you should apply for that position. And when the president tells you, you to your face, hey, you should apply for that position, you apply for that position. <laughs> and I actually looked, for, looked at the position and it looked great on paper. It really was a great position on paper for my skill set in terms of interacting with students, you know, orientations and, and, and one-on-ones. And this, on paper, it was great. So I applied. I'll speed it up. I basically got handed the, the, the senior academic advisor position before I even got done with the second interview for the psych professor position. It was still going, but it was right. taking longer. But I flew through the senior academic advisor position and I got to Homestead Campus. I'm in front of the committee and they're like, we're going to send you to the dean. You're our selection. So I end up in front of the president who's handing me an, and offering me this position as a senior academic advisor. Meanwhile, what I really want to do is out there still, and I, you burn it in the hand. You got to take what you, what you have. So I said, of course. And my thinking was, Homestead's where I want to be. I'll get my foot in the door of Miami-Dade full-time. So I'll wrap it up, but this is what happened. 2015, I resigned from being a school counselor. Resigned. That means I finished being a school counselor. And when I did that, I knew I wasn't going back. I did my time. It just was a different, it's a different era now. And I knew I wanted to do something else, one way or another. So I resigned from the school system. I took this position as a senior academic advisor. 2015, fall, summer, fall. Guys, three months in, they let me go. 
Wow. Call it fired, call it laid off, call it what you want. They went in a different direction. They said that I wasn't a good fit. Somebody in particular in a department said I wasn't a good fit. And the reason why is because they hired me off of one skill set, which is working with people. Mm. And that job requires another skill set, which is data, computer, software entry, and a whole nother bag of tricks that was thrown on my lap to have to juggle both. And I didn't pick up on it as fast as that person would have liked to, whatever the case is. Right. Let me go. Guys, I'm 36 years old. I have a master's degree. I had 10 years in in a career and I have no job. I'm sitting in a one bedroom apartment that I'm renting, asking myself in October, 2015, what the hell am I gonna do now? I'm not going to run back to the school system and start that all over again. What do I do? And this is my home campus, guys. This is where I've been an adjunct for six years. They know me here. Some of my students in my classes, I was actually their counselor for three months. So that was probably one of the lowest points in terms of professionally that I had to really look within what am I gonna do? Had a couple of choices there, but I did some soul searching. Long story short, I said, you know what I'm going to do? It's now or never. I'm going in on my coaching. This is the time. Mm. So I had a lot of free time on my hands. So what I did was I went all in. 2016, building it from the ground up. Doing all my research on how to write blogs, how to start, an inter uh, start a website and put my website officially on the, on the internet. How to create YouTube videos, how to market in social media, how to open accounts, how to network. Everything was business oriented, but also I had to be in charge of the creative side which is yeah. putting all the information out there that was going to hook people in as far as my coaching is concerned, which is everything that I'm teaching. 2016 was a grind. Started to get some clients a little bit in 2016. 2017, it kind of took off. I get speaking gigs. I'm being hired as a speaker to talk about mindset, talk about psychology, talk about growth, leadership. 17, I got a few more clients. 2018 comes around. Now, mind you, I'm just an adjunct because I stayed an adjunct during this time. I'm working part-time as an adjunct, right. but I'm not a school counselor and I don't have a full-time job. So I'm grinding, hustling, speaking, coaching, adjuncting, and I'm just, just scrapping, man. But let me tell you something, guys. You could say that was the most stressful in somebody's life financially because they were strapped. Let me tell you what, the, the peace and the calm that came over me that I experienced during that time, because you know why? I was doing something I loved. Every day I woke up, I was doing what I loved and I looked forward to. There was absolutely no stress in terms of life. There was some technical stress in terms of the money and finances, but that's only so much in your control. If you focus on that, you're gonna, it's going to consume you. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I did was I focused on, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to write that blog. I'm going to look forward to shooting this video. I'm going to reach out and try to get that speaking gig that I really want to do. I'm going to go teach this class that I'm looking forward every day. And I just would come home and I would meditate and I would sit in peace and I would just tap into something. And I just tried to keep that energy. Fast forward 2018. And I'm like, look, man, this business ain't taking off to the point where I am I going to be able to sustain myself, you know, full time for a period of time here. And something's got to give. And so I started to get a little antsy. 2018 spring, a position opened up full time psychology professor position at Homestead campus. Mm. Guys, if that ain't if that ain't grace, dude, I don't know what is. dude. I, and so what happened was when I got that first position with Miami-Dade Homestead campus, I met a lot of people in that process of getting hired. Hired. Here's another networking lesson for you yep. guys. Yep. When I came back to apply for that position in psychology, guess who remembered how graceful I was in taking that, that L, if you will, getting laid off, but still staying involved in the, in the campus, staying involved with the students, being involved and being seen on campus as an adjunct. After you get fired, you go to the job that fired you and stay involved with a smile. Who does that? I did that. I did that for three years. And they remembered that when I came back around, I said, I really want this position and I want to do it here. And I got the full-time psychology professor position in 2018. I've been full-time for two years. Mm. And during that time that I was in limbo, if you will, I built up my website. I built up my coaching, my speaking, and I built up my YouTube channel and my podcast, by the way, that I've took a hiatus from after five episodes. <laughs> but I built all that up. That's built. That's there. 
And now I'm a full-time professor, which I'm focusing on, you know, trying to make a priority. That is the shortest version of a, of a story I can give you guys as far as how A goes to Z. And I don't want to say Z because it ain't over yet, but that's where I am right now. And, 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 and I think I'm there because I took all of the skill sets, all the things I ever learned and was passionate about and really focused on where can I go to maximize these things? And it led me to where I am right now. Now, I, I, you said something very important that when you were sharing your story of how you were pretty much at ground zero, like you had to start all over again. What was, walk us through your mindset during that time. Like what, what was your motivation? You mentioned that you enjoyed doing what you were doing every day. Like you would still wake up and you were happy to go to school and be an adjunct, adjunct professor. But what was your motivation? Like, why didn't you just scrap everything and go somewhere else? Like, you know, screw education. Let me try this or let me try that or go full time into your, into your coaching. Because it was a matter of focus. I had to decide, the first decision I had to make was what am I gonna focus on right now? Am I gonna focus on what I don't have? Am I gonna focus on in desperation, what's out there and what's possible for me to scrap at? Or am I gonna focus on what I'm fulfilled by, what I wanna do, what I'm capable of and what's possible? So I had to shift my focus and the focus actually then makes it more real than it actually is. So luckily for me, I don't wanna say luckily cause I had a little bit to do with it, but like I say, grace, luck, whatever, for me, it was my, while I kept that focus and I kept that, 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 that vision, I also was busting my ass, taking action every day to try and make this come to fruition. And that's something that I was going to make sure I got a chance at some point to talk about on this podcast because, excuse me, it starts with your mindset, but your mindset really actually, this is probably actually a, a little spoiler to an answer that I'm going to give you guys later on if you have a question for me later on about what I think you're going to ask me your mindset really should empower you to take action. If your mindset doesn't empower you to take action, yeah, write that down, Anthony. If no. your mindset doesn't empower you to take action, then it's insufficient. Mm -hmm. Your mindset needs to be something that empowers you to act because nothing comes to you in life that you want for yourself unless you act. Right. You know, Amazon's not gonna just deliver whatever you visualize or whatever mm -hmm. you, you know, plan for, right? So. For me, I had to say, look, I have to focus on something, but I have to take action. And I just, I just stayed focused on what I wanted to do. And if it, you know, let me, let me, let me back up for a second, bro. Let me, let me not make it sound like it was so simple. You know how many colleges and universities I looked at and tried to find that might be hiring during that little time span? I wasn't stubborn. I said, I'm just going to work at Miami. I was desperate. Like I want to be a college professor right. and I want to work at Miami Dade, but, 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 but damn bro, like I need a job. I want to do this thing. Let me, and I looked all over the place right. and also didn't look so it was action, man. It was just throwing those darts, just putting those feelers out there every day. Right. And, but like I told you, I'm doing something I love. So when I go and I give that speech mm. or I'm hired to give that talk or I have that client and I kill it and I help them and, and, I, and I influence them or we get results from the coaching or, or I get the feedback from the crowd, like that is what, to answer your question, keeps mm. me going. Mm. And, and, right? and you know, and you know what I'm thinking also, uh, I don't know if you, if you saw his video, but The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he said, when your back is against the wall, you can only go forward. Like, there's no more going back. Like, in your situation, you were ground zero. Like, there's no, uh, let me just wait and see what comes and falls into my hands. It's, right. I got to go or I don't need tomorrow. Like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. So when your back's against the wall, you have no other option but to keep going forward. Correct. But to that point, and what Rock didn't mention is, there, there's, there may be no, no other option in terms of where to go, but there is a decision you can make on whether you go anywhere or you stay right or there you with stay. your back against them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, the difference between us, guys like you and me, is we hear, and, and The Rock, we hear that and it makes sense. We think, oh yeah, all we get, but some people actually decide not to go forward and stay there. 
that, that's the key with that, with that, with that, you know, cliche, if you will, that's the key guys. It's a decision. So if Tony Robbins taught me anything, he talked about focus. He talked about decision. So what you, what you focus on, you feel. So you focus on something and then you got to give it a meaning. When you give it a meaning that, that influences your decision on what you're going to do. You focus on being up against the wall. And what does this mean? Oh my God, I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. That's the meaning you give it. What are your, what are your actions going to be? What are you going to decide to do? Stay right there. So for me, I had to look at what am I focused on? I just started to apply all the things that I learned. And listen, I don't know if it's me that some of your listeners are going to get this from, but you've got to feed your mind things. They're going to help you in those times. Absolutely. Everybody thinks, you know, look, learning and personal growth is, is something that you really want to do consistently on a regular basis because those skills and those, those tools are going to come up in times of despair, in times of adversity. That's when you need them most. So people get going and they get good they get comfortable. Things start going smooth for them and things are working out and they get complacent yeah. and they start enjoying life and they stop feeding their mind. And then boom, they hit rock bottom. The back's against the wall. The roof falls in. They don't know what to do. Well, you don't know what to do because you haven't been building up your strengths while things were good. Mm. So that's the mindset you got to have in terms of personal growth. It's, it's all the time. It's you can always learn more. Don't get complacent. I think we're done. <laughs> I hope not, man. I'm enjoying this. What do we got for time, Gabriel? How are we doing, man? No, we're good, man. I'm not even worried about the time. That, that story yeah, that, you, uh, that, that you uh, that you you know you just told us right now. I mean, it's such an inspiring story. And like back to Anthony's point, there's so much value in having your back against the wall. But like you mentioned, you know, if it's all about a decision, you right. know, yeah. your back can only take you so far. If you have to take action, you have to go forward, right? right. And that's exactly what you did. And I know you you touched on a couple times about, you know, the relationships that you created and, and the network that you were building, whether you were, you know, getting laid off or whether you were doing your coaching business, whatever the case was, you were always talking to people, always creating relationships. My next question to you is how much value is there in creating relationships for networking and, and for your career, you know, going forward? Because I feel like a lot of people, especially buddies of ours, I mean, they, they might have an encounter with a very successful person or even you know, maybe one of their dads, uh, one of their friends, uh, dads or something. And, you know, they have no idea how big of an impact that person can make on them. And they don't even, they don't even care, right? They don't take that person seriously. How important is it to really treat everyone the right way? And how important is it to create those relationships now? Bro, it sounds like you already know the answer. You just want to have somebody a little more credible <laughs> say it. So you can say, look, even that professor said what I know. And you're absolutely right. I cannot put a value. I, I cannot put a value or a price or, or some sort of a, a, a quantifiable. I, I can't put a, a measurement on the, the importance and the value of networking. But I'll try to put it in the context of a student just to give you a little example, maybe since you may have a lot of students listening. You have two students. They enter into college. Mm -hmm. They're both taking classes. One student decides to join a club, decides to have a conversation with the people in SGA, decides to attend the, the, the club rush week, decides to go and meet their professor for office hours and introduce themselves, decides to talk to their advisor, decides to network and join the group chat inside the classroom, decides to have a group study session with their classmates. One student does all of those things. The other student taking the same exact classes does none of those things. If those two students stay on that same trajectory, when they graduate, that student who involved themselves with all of those other organizations, clubs, networking events, whatever the case is, and met those people, 10 out of 10 times is going to get the job before that other student. Not only are they going to get the job, they're going to get it faster. Yeah. They're going to get it faster because they're going to have the opportunity presented to them quicker. 
I, I just can't, I can't say it any other way. Not to say the person with, with the didn't network won't get the job. It will be more difficult to get the position. They'll be more frustrated. They'll have a harder time and won't get it as quick. It just, it just, like I said, I get really passionate about this with students because a lot of times students come in with the mindset and they think that really my academics are all I need to focus on. And they are. You better get your grades straight. But don't go thinking that academics are the, and your grades and your GPA and your degree are the only things you can get from or benefit from in college. You are absolutely wrong about that. College is an opportunity for you to network in a way like you will never be able to network again in your life, ever, ever. You will never be have the social opportunities that you have from 18 to 24 years old, ever. I, I don't know, I can't, I can't impress upon how important that is upon you. You'll never have the opportunities to interact with the same people that's your same age, your same field, your same interest on the scale. Hmm. But you know what most people do, unfortunately, at that age is? They fall back, they resort to connecting through their phone, and they stay antisocial in the sense of staying distant from people in real life. And they don't connect in ways that, that, like you said, Gabriel, create real meaningful relationships. And here's the thing. It don't have to be an ongoing relationship. You mentioned it. The, the girl in your class's dad who owns the business that maybe is going to be hiring or has an internship position open for you guys five years after you get your, um, you know, your degree. You, you don't have to maintain the relationship every single day. Let me give you an example of how you can keep your network and keep your, and keep your, and keep your relationships there and how, how networking works. You introduce yourself, you meet somebody, you connect with them, you put them in your back pocket, they put you in theirs and you stay in touch one way or another. So 2005, I had a girlfriend who pushed me to go get headshots done, get a comp card made and go try to be a model. Right. And I only say that idea, man. It wasn't my idea, but she pushed me to do it. And I said, you know what? You got a photographer. You can get it for cheap. Whatever. Let's do it, man. I'm 25. I got nothing to lose. Whatever, you know? So yeah. I went and did it. So I got my headshots, got my portfolio before I could even go look around for agencies, you know, to, to do anything worth anyway. Miami Vice, the movie was filming with Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell on Miami Beach. Don't know if y'all saw that shot mm -hmm. here locally in Miami. You need to be yeah, a big, yeah. big, big yeah. fan because obviously I'm going to tell you in a second, I worked on that movie. So I went and I, you know, went to a little casting call for the movie, got in line, whatever. Long story short, I was in the, in the line to cast for that. I got the position. They called me back to be an extra. I was at a, a wardrobe um, rehearsal in one of, on one of the sets and the, the casting director for Miami Vice named Chris Gray was there. Everybody's in line going to get their wardrobe. He called me out of the line. And, and, and I'm like, why is he singling me out? And he called me out and he said, hey, man, what's going on? And he asked me who I was, what I do. I told him, you know, I'm a school, school counselor. I didn't need to be there. I wasn't some groupie extra that was just fiending to be in front of the camera. Like, oh, right. I, I didn't care. It was no big deal to me. I'm not trying to make a career out of this. It was just, he says, what are you doing, man? He got a different vibe from me. He said, why don't you come with me and my entourage tonight down to SLS on the beach? We're going to have a little birthday party for my friend. I'm like, I'm looking around like, where's, where's Ashton Kutcher right now? <laughs> what's happening bro like and so i'm like all right you know what i mean to get the number whatever connect so i i show up hang out with him a little bit we started a, a relationship a friendship in that point a relationship or a connection at that point that was so distant just keep in touch throughout the course of that movie he tried to get me another scene here or there long story short that 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 movie ended you know that was it every year i text him happy birthday on his birthday sometimes i go a year two three years we don't talk he flew into Miami twice to shoot some other scenes. He did Ballers with The Rock. He was the casting director wow. for Ballers. He called yeah, me yeah. to come on set to do, help him out with something on set there. Justin Bieber had a concert, a little tour back here, 13, I think, sometime. He called me and said, hey, man, I need you to bring some kids up from the elementary school if you can. You know, we'll get an opportunity to put you backstage. These things popped up because I kept in touch with this guy. Like, I don't, we just keep in touch. Yeah. You never know who you're going to meet today. 
that's going to come in handy and benefit you tomorrow, right? So if you can at least just be personable, keep in contact, you know, you don't need to be like a predator in terms of trying to stalk out people to try and have on your back. But look, if it comes naturally and you introduce yourself, I, I can't stress it, guys. Yeah. I can't stress it, Gabriel. It, it, it's so important for you to, throughout your journey of learning uh, in terms of academics, to try to connect with the people around you and try to form relationships or connections that potentially are going to come in, um, come in down, down the road. And, and you never know who it might be. So you try to be personable and it could be your advisor, could be your professor, could be your, your classmates. It could be anybody, but you have to put yourself out there in a position to have that connection. And it's not going to be as simple as following somebody on a social media network. You're just another, no, there's nothing personal about that. It yeah. has to be personal. So maybe starts like that, but introduce yourself and get to know them. I, so I could talk about that probably for days too, Gabriel. Yeah, no, I love that you mentioned that because I mean, there are people, especially in college, I love that you mentioned the, the university aspect of it is, you know, our friends, they, they go to college, they go to class and they go home, right? And don't get me wrong. I was one of those people for a long time, you know, but I even tell Anthony, we talk about it all the time. I see my peers, my classmates as future employees, partners, you know, whatever it may be, guests on podcasts, those connections in college, yeah. especially in the, in the industry, in the major that you're in, you have no idea how that can blow up for you, right? And it's just to, exactly to your point, just keeping in touch. You don't have to be buddy-buddy. You don't have to be best friends with them, you know, but you don't have to go out with them every weekend. But Get if you touch. keep in touch and you just, you know, have an open line communication with them, hey, happy birthday, man. Hey, I saw you over there, nice haircut. Like, you know, just right. keeping that, that streamlined communication can, can really take you places. But You're ahead of the game, said, my friend. With that being said, our next question is, given the current situation of COVID-19 with everything yeah. going on, obviously networking events, you know, have kind of been, you know, scratched off the face of the earth. How can people continue to create those relationships and, and really engage with people, whether it be online, whether it be on social media, how can people continue to meet and network with people if it's not physically? You know, I'm a guy that likes to keep it transparent and I keep it 100. I think it's another thing that my, my students appreciate. When I don't know something, I'll tell you I don't know it. And this is a big challenge right now. This is a big challenge, not just for me um, personally, but for me to, you know, give advice to in terms of other people's uh, other people. I, I, I don't have an answer per se on exactly how to do that. I'm not going to lie to you. What I can say is I don't think you can really create an actual relationship in these times with somebody that you don't already know that you haven't already met. What you can do is you can create and sustain connections and you can stay in contact and you can, you can create something that you're building up and, and planning for an opportunity in the future when it presents. And now you have that, that back, that, 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 that history, if you will, with that person in terms of the connection that you've forged with them that you can then pull the trigger when it, when the time comes to actually meet them, work with them, introduce, stop by, whatever the case is. So I think it's really a matter of, of enduring this in a sense and maintaining connection and establishing connections more than it is thinking you're going to somehow, you know, create some full blown fulfilling, meaningful relationship that you're able to capitalize on or maximize. I don't really think you can do that. And I'm such a, call me old school, I'm such a face-to-face, in-person person, and it means so much. Even things like video, it's way, way more important. Like, it frustrates me with my students because I understand, they don't understand the value necessarily yet of, 
of seeing who you're talking to. And it's real easy to hide behind the screen. But even something like this where I can see you guys and I'm talking to you, I don't like the screen, but this is a lot better than just talking on the, on the phone or not seeing you, you, your facial expression, so on and so I'm real big on, you mentioned nonverbal body language. You, you mentioned that earlier, Anthony. I'm real big on that because that speaks volumes. You know, emotional, convey, emotional messages are conveyed through 90, 93% or something like that. There was a study done. 93% of your emotional message that you give to someone right. is done nonverbally. Right. So if I can't see you, I'm getting 7% of the emotions that you're feeling from your voice, from your words. That's not a lot. Yeah. And let me tell you, emotion is the juice that makes life flow, man. If we can't connect on an emotional level and you can't build that rapport. And I think that's a key word there, Gabriel, to answer your question. How do you build rapport in these times of, of COVID? How do you build rapport te 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 through technology? How do you build rapport through these forums? And I, and I really don't think that you can build a, a, a complete rapport with somebody unless you have the opportunity to at least see them face to face. I mean, it starts with that, but it's a challenge, no doubt. And I think that, I think that because it's such a challenge, we need to put an emphasis on overcoming that challenge because the things that we lose out on and the risks that are there, if we, if we let this continue, whether that be you know, taking care of the virus in a way that we can get back to actual normal, I hate the term new normal, I'm never gonna make this normal, but I understand what they mean, that being said. But I think we need to say, look, I understand we have to be safe and we have to be smart right now, but we do need to put an important and a value on getting back to what things were because of how important it is for things that, that you're asking me about, such as relationships and connection. You're exactly right. And if I can just add a little bit there. So just so you understand the, the mindset that Gabe and I had, especially when, when COVID-19 hit and everyone, you know, quarantine and there's no more in-person activities, networking events, school, things like that. Gabe and I saw that as an opportunity. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we, people like you, we can meet with you now so much easier than if we were in person because if we were in person the way we yes. were doing the podcast before is that we would have our guests come to my parents real estate office in Doral so you know that's more time and people are busy like the people we have on have on the podcast are successful people who are busy 24 7 yeah. so their time wouldn't allow to to meet in person right. so Gabe and I saw this as an opportunity well now we can just get on a quick zoom call 30 45 minutes and we can get pretty much anybody at this point so when it comes to networking and, and creating relationships, Gabe, Gabe and I said at the very beginning in March, we're like, we got to step on the pedal. We got to yeah. go. We got to get as many people as we can on this podcast to, to build a, a relationship and to foster that relationship whenever things go back to, to, to what it was before. So for example, like if I'm passing by the Homestead campus one day, you better believe I'm going to hit you up and try to go get coffee or lunch one day because right. we already have that relationship that we established right. virtually. If that virtually. Makes yeah, let me, bro, you're spot on there. And I want to piggyback on that by saying that what you pointed out was the flip side to what I talked about. I talked about the challenges that it presents. You right. talked about the opportunities that it presents. Yeah. And I think that's important with every obstacle. And I had this thought last night. I said, you got to turn your obstacles into opportunities. And you mm -hmm. just basically highlighted how to do that. Mm -hmm. So turning your obstacles into opportunities really requires you to, yes, acknowledge the difficulties and the challenges that it provides or that it presents but you also need to have the mindset to say, what can we use in this time? What can, how can we benefit in this time? What can we do? And so you have to look at the upside, the, the, the glass half full, if you will. So, so yeah. what you found was what this crisis or this pandemic presented and the opportunities that were born out of it that you may not have ever come across if it wasn't for it. And Mr. AB, not only are we able to meet with people who are very successful easier, but we have been having guests on our podcast from around the country. 
I saw had, that. We've had four guests from California. That would have never happened if we stuck. If, if they weren't stuck in their house looking for work, right? Yeah. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So this, we saw, yeah, it's a disadvantage. You know, it, it kicked us out of our rhythm that we had going on, the flow that we had going on for the first three months or so. But we but are blessing. just. But you found the blessing in it. Yeah. It was a Dude, remember that story, Anthony and, and Gabriel? Remember that, that story and that reality of how you guys started and how this pandemic basically opened the door for you to have people on it you would have never had on? Because five years, 10 years from now, that's going to be really the crux of where everything blew up for you, I promise you, because you just point out an amazing opportunity for your specific situation. Yeah, and right. you capitalized on that. Look, here's an opportunity. You are sitting at home with nothing to do. Let's reach out to them. And through this means we can connect. So yeah. I don't want to get too far away from the fact that, Gabriel, to answer your question, there's challenges when it comes to creating actual meaningful relationships. Mm -hmm. But I think Anthony highlighted the upside of it all. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, like Anthony mentioned, we're using these connections that we've created and you know this foundation this foundation that we've had and you know you better know that like once covid is over we're gonna have something you know in the works me and anthony already you know we're we're already talking about and right. having that conversation about bringing all of our guests having our friends and having some sort of gathering where we could actually put a face and you know handshakes to those people right because i think like to your mention mr ab it, that's the connection right we're only we're only you know planting the seed with you right now but once we get coffee, like Anthony mentioned with you at Homestead Campus, once you, you know, come over to our office and meet us in person, that's when, you know, we can continue and, and keep laying that foundation. And that's what yeah, we continue to do with all of our guests, right? That's, that's yeah. why we started this podcast in the first place, not only to give value, but to have the, these amazing conversations with individuals like yourself and just plant those seeds, right? So you guys are doing it right. You're taking advantage of the opportunities that this thing presents and you're not letting it bog you down. And so that's really what the challenge is in life. When, when life presents an obstacle to you, try to find the opportunity. But I mean, it's, it's in the name of your podcast. It's about the mindset you have. When you're the mindset podcast. Yeah, yeah. Come on. And, and sure. this next question you, you touched upon already, but I'll give you another chance if you maybe want to summarize basically the, the conversations we've been having. And that is what's the best mindset our listeners in this case, should have after listening to this episode, right? They finish the episode. What's the mindset they should leave with? I'll try to summarize this. Um, I, think, I think really two, two, two different mindsets come to mind, but really the two mindsets, I'll give you both. I think that my mindset is a combination and, a, and, a, and an overlap of both of them, the way I like to approach life and the way I try to, the mindset I try to hold all the time, but I'll give them to you as two different mindsets and maybe your listeners can work on acquiring one at a time. The first mindset that I think is very important just from a day-to-day -day standpoint to keep that, that level of, that level of personal health, that just that well-being is an attitude of gratitude. I think that the mindset of, to quote Tony Robbins, life happens for me not to me. That's a perspective shift right there. And it really requires you to look at everything as a blessing. Everything is a lesson and an opportunity to learn. And if you're learning, you're not losing. So this, this attitude of gratitude and the mindset that you go out and you walk out your door every day, well, before that, when you set your feet on the ground, when you get out of your bed, the mentality is what does life have in store for me today that I should look forward to that I can learn from that I'm going to be blessed to, to interact with. So I think that the first thing you need to ingrain into your view, your perspective, your mindset of life in general is one, I'm fortunate, I'm blessed, 
to be where I am right now, no matter where I am. That's how you find contentment where you are. And you don't think you need more than you already have. That goes from scarcity to abundance. Like gratitude is so important. And gratitude isn't just recognizing the things that you're grateful for. It's actually really actually feeling grateful for them. If you, you can't just do a checklist. Yeah, I know I should be grateful. I have a house, I have food. No, no, no. But that's not gratitude. Gratitude is really genuinely feeling appreciative for it. Like really genuinely. I think when you, when you see life as an opportunity and not as a curse, that's a shift in a mindset that, that really is, is going to set you aside from everybody else as far as your day-to-day quality of life. Because everything that you come across, everything you encounter, you view it as one, a blessing or a lesson to learn from. And again, nothing can really be negative in that sense. Even if things are horribly wrong, if your mentality and how you deal with that thing that goes horribly wrong, what you got to do it is, hey, what can I learn from this to avoid it from happening again or help someone else not go through this? Well, that's a lot better than saying my life sucks. I don't ever want to be here. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done with life. Like you have a choice that gratitude, and I could expand on that mindset more so, but that gratitude that you really have and how you look at everything and you're appreciative for it. And it starts with your own life. You got to value the fact that you're here. I'm appreciative for the fact that I actually get to wake up today. Start from the bare bones basics, man. I got life right now. Everything else is a bonus for me. It's a plus. I don't need anything else except life. And I got life. So everything else is a bonus. So gratitude and, and that life happens for me, not to me is a big one, man. Life, life is full of blessings and lessons and nothing else. You got to choose which one it is and just take, take whichever one it is and move forward. So the first one has to do with gratitude. The second mindset has to do with responsibility. And I think that's what you were alluding to earlier, Anthony, which is that I think that your mindset really has to be one that empowers you to take action. Like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. if your mindset, if your current mentality doesn't empower you to take action, to take steps, to, to take massive action, like Tony Robbins says, if your mindset doesn't encourage you to do that, then then it's really insufficient. Mm. Hopes, dreams, vision, inspiration, motivation, quotes, plans, what do they have in common? They're all psychologically based. Right. They stay in your head. They don't actually translate to any actual results in your life. They only do that when you act on those things. Mm. The action is the counterpart to the vision. Mm. You can have as many ideas and be as inspired emotionally as, as the next person, it doesn't matter. If you're not acting, if you're not taking action on these things, you're going to stay stuck and sitting right where you are. And that's going to lead to massive frustration because mm-hmm. you're going to have all these dreams, these visions, these hopes, these ideas, these plans, but you're not going to be seeing results and you say, oh, this sucks. And really quickly, it's going to turn sideways. Mm-hmm. So I think that that starts with responsibility, which is the second mindset. The mindset is responsibility. I'll wrap this one up for you. But I think that this one is as this is more of a practical one as opposed to the well-being side of Gratitude Presents responsibility guys, especially folks your age, it starts with saying I'm responsible for the outcomes in my life. And to, to get the outcomes in my life, I want to create my own destiny. I've got to take action. I can't wait for other people or other things to create them for me. I have to dictate my own destiny, but that, that requires taking responsibility, but people don't want to take responsibility because taking responsibility means taking responsibility for all of your actions, even the things you do wrong. We don't want to make mistakes and we make mistakes. We want to blame other people. But then that's going to lead you to not do anything at all. If you don't do anything at all, you're not going to take a step in a positive direction. Personal responsibility. Start with the things you control first. Distinguish what you do control. Second, take responsibility for the things that you control. And the things that you control, they're very simple. What you think, what you say, and what you do. That's it. 100% control. There's nothing else in this life that you all have 100% control of aside from your own thoughts, the words you speak to others and to yourself, 
and the things you do every day. If you understand those are the only things you have control of, you'll stop wasting your time trying to control everything else outside of you. The weather, the stock market, your coworkers, your sister. Stop it. You're never going to control them. Personal responsibility is what am I responsible for and am I taking action in those areas? What am I responsible for? What I think, what I say, what I do. Am I taking responsibility for that right now? Fully. Start with that. And it doesn't have to be monumental. It can be small. It's the small things. Do I make my bed when I wake up in the morning? Do I turn my homework in on time? You know, do, do I say thank you when someone does something nice? These, these things are, are personal. They're small, but it, it's about taking responsibility for your own actions. When you do that, you actually are a lot more at ease and a lot more at peace because what, what you find is that you're not living in reaction to other people. You're not living in response. You're choosing your responses based on what you have control over. So many people subconsciously stumble through life reacting to everything outside of themselves because they're not focused on what they actually control. So personal responsibility, man, I, I can't stress that enough, especially for young folks. We've got to be more accountable and responsible for our own actions. To your wow. first point, and those are both great, if, if I may, Gabe, just very quickly. Uh, to your first point about being grateful when you wake up, you know, if, if you were to ask me what my biggest pet peeve is, and this is because I've been there, so it's not, I'm not criticizing at all, is, is when people walk around like they're coming back. Like people walk around like they have 10 lives. Like you're walking around just going mm. through your day. Mm. It, it, mm. Going to, you're, like, you're going to class just to get to class to, just to check off the box that you, you were there, you got the attendance grade. Like you're just walking around like you got- Like they're coming back, lives. meaning like they're never leaving, like almost. Like, right. like they're never leaving, like, like, right. like it's gonna be forever. Like it's forever. Like, and, and mm. I understand it maybe like middle school, high school, okay, you're still developing. But when I see it in, in some of my classmates, we're, we're talking 19, 20, 21, where you should already be getting the gist of it, of, of what life is, a game of life. But they're still walking around. I mean, they're showing up to school in pajamas. They're showing up to school in slides and, and sandals. Like, yeah, they're, not they're taking still, it seriously. They're still there. And it's like, you only have one shot at this thing called life. Only one. Only one. Nobody, no matter how much money you have, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you have right. one shot. Right. And, and it's disappointing to see people treat that opportunity of life, which is the greatest opportunity, the greatest blessing, like you said, so like if it was nothing, like if they, if they deserve it, they walk around like they deserve something. Absolutely. You don't the deserve anything. The, the entitlement mentality is, is plaguing this generation and it's not even their fault. Okay, let me just jump on what he said real quick. I know you were going to get in there. And I want to point out that, that that aspect that you just talked about, which is, um, you know, I'm a realist. And I think that there's a lot to be learned from negative outcomes. The, pro the challenge <laughs> is that a lot of what you describe is the mindset and the approach to life from, uh, from a younger generation. And, and the reason why, well, I, I don't want to expand on it too far. This is a great conversation. And I think you made a good point. But this idea that, that I, I'm taking what I'm doing for granted in a sense and that I'm always mm -hmm. going to have this opportunity. Mm -hmm. this, the, 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 so the cynical response to that is, and I'll just play devil's advocate to what you said. How old are you, Anthony? I'm 19. You're 19 years old. And you're talking, you're preaching, you're talking, you're speaking wisdom right now that really people who, it takes them 10, 15 years to understand what you just said. So here's mm -hmm. the, 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 the cynical response. Well, if you only get one life, why not relax and enjoy it? at your age where you're at. And, and here's what I have to say to that. Yeah, sure, that's one approach, but you know what? This life may be very long. This life may be 85, 90 years old. And while you're bullshitting and enjoying life at 18, at 20, at 24, and you're still on your parents' couch at 31 years old, where are you gonna be at 35, at 40, at 50, at 60? Where you're gonna be at 50 really depends on what you're doing and what you're sacrificing 
at 19. So what you figured out is it's about investing right now. It's about invest. It's about taking advantage of the opportunity to invest. You're not miserable. You're taking advantage of an opportunity to invest. Sure, we could go just enjoy the hedonism and the pleasures and just sit back and enjoy being 19 with no responsibilities. You can ride that wave. Look, actions have consequences. What happens in what you do right now at 19 could be an investment to be better off at 29, at 39, at 40. So that's what a lot of young folks, the perspective is not there for them to understand that it's a sacrifice you have to make. Everything you do is a sacrifice. By going and playing video games and going to the club and not doing anything, you're sacrificing potentially something else. So you're always sacrificing. Yeah. Gabe, Gabe, and I want you to touch on it a little bit too. Gabe and I talk about it all the time, which is, look, right now, it, the, the age group between, let's say, 18 to like 25 or maybe a little bit older, 30, is a time to grind like a monster, like destroy the game, right? Like there's no, there's no such thing as weekends. There's no such thing as vacations. Like maybe for so many years, reasons. For, for so yeah. many, because you relax. I'd rather grind and bust my ass now and relax later for a long time than to relax now and hang out and play games and then grind for the rest of my life, which will be exactly. many more years. But Gabe, exactly. do you want to touch on that? Yeah, absolutely. Now here, yeah, but, but look, but, but, but what you just said though, you gotta be, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're spot on, man. You're spot on. <laughs> no, yeah, Anthony. You, I what I was gonna say, Gabe, to him, what I was gonna say to that was, you gotta make sure that that grind you're talking about though, is something that you enjoy and you're looking forward to. Sure. And the investment sure. is for something big in the future. You sure. don't just grind to grind. You're not just miserable. You're not just sacrificing your weekends to do something you hate. Yeah. Look, there's something to what you're doing that's an investment yeah. for later on. So I think people will look at that and say, well, that sounds miserable. No, I love what I do. I love right. the work. Yeah, I yeah. love what I'm going to get from it later on. So go ahead, Gabe. My bad, buddy. That's, that's the exact, that's the double-edged sword, right? That's a double-edged sword. A lot of people our age, they don't, they don't enjoy what they do. They don't even know what they want to do, right? right? Anthony and I, we have a lot of friends that I was actually talking to a mentor of mine and he was telling me, look, he's been in the mortgage business for, for 25 years now. And he was saying, hey, when I just, when I was getting started, I had to tell friends, hey, you know, I can't hang out this weekend. You know, I can't go play ball this weekend because why? I'm focusing on me. I got to build my empire. I got to grind. And what did they, those friends do? You know, they understood. If they're a good friend, they'll understand and they'll love you for it because they understand the grind as well, right? Yeah. And we're in that stage right now. We get a calls all the, all the time from our friends. Hey, you want to go hang out on Saturday night? You want to go play ball? You want to go to the club? Hey, yeah. you can go do that. But we're, we're, we love what we do and we would rather sacrifice those good times for the yeah. work and the late nights that we're doing right now, right? And that's and why a lot of people, a lot of people do choose Gabriel to go do those pleasurable things because they don't like what they're doing. So it's an easy exactly. escape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's, man, for that's sure. part of the reason why we started this podcast in the first place. And I think we have a lot in common with you, Mr. AB, because I'm sure it's a lot of the reason why you wanted to be a professor in the first place. Like you mentioned in the beginning, you wanted to be relatable, right? And yeah. one of the first things that really stood out to us when we started this podcast was Hey, there are no 19, 20 year olds starting a podcast talking about these things. You know, mm -hmm. you may, you know, you may be hearing Tony Robbins, Gary V, you know, Damon John, whoever it is, but they're 30, 40, 50. And that's okay. You can always listen to the, those guys. They can always be, you know, distant mentors of yours. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to relate to them because you're not at the same level as them. Right. Anthony and I, you, can learn, you can learn from them. You can learn from them, but you can't necessarily relate. We can learn from them. We can take those experiences. We can learn from them. We can use those mistakes that they've made and apply right. to our lives and make sure that we don't reciprocate. But going through the journey like Anthony and I are, are doing right now and talking to individuals like you and learning from you and from your mistakes and from your experiences is what really gives our podcast and our listeners so much value 
because we have a lot of friends that they might not know what they want to do, right? They might be sitting on, right. their, on, their, on their mom's couch at 19 years old and they have no idea, but that's okay, right? That's why we want to come in and just provide that value up front and be like, hey man, we were there too. We just so happened to find our passion a little earlier than you did, but right. it doesn't matter. You can, you're along the way, whatever you're doing, like you mentioned, you can only see the pieces uh, you know, coming together once you look back. You can right. like connect the dots once you look back. Yeah. So, you know, Anthony and I, we have, it hasn't even marked a year since we started this podcast and we've already seen the connections and the, the, the work that we put in and how it's benefiting us for our, for our careers, for right. our relationships, for college, whatever it may be. Oh, and, no. you know, back to your point, it's just about being responsible, right? Being when your back is against the wall, you need to be taking the responsibility and be like, all right, do I want to stay here? Do I want to be comfortable? Right. Or do I what want to I do forward and, and really break that, 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 that cage, right? That I'm in. And yep. explore what the world has, you know, has for us to offer. I know we got a wrap. Let me speak to that real quick. One, as far as your peers, maybe like you hit it on the head, so many 19, 18, 20 years, they don't know what they want to do. They just don't know. And no one else can tell you what to do, but you, well, I got just a little quick advice for anybody who's at that age range. that really doesn't know what they want to do, what they like, get around people who do know what they want to do, mm. who do know what they like. And you'll either realize, Oh shit, this passion is contagious. And I kind of like this. Let me do this. Or all, oh, let me not do that and starts process of elimination. Get around people who have an intense fire or a drive, it'll light something up in you. So even if you don't like what they're doing, hang out with them, you know? That's first what I was gonna say as advice for them. And the second thing was, what you guys are doing is hard work. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. You guys put hours into editing and producing this stuff. People think you just turn your camera on and chat. This is a, this is a production right now. And so what I was thinking about as you were talking, Gabriel, last thing I'll say is this, you look at a guy like Joe Rogan, now he's doing this on the top level, right? Say what you want about him, one way or another, the fact that he's having the experts in every area you can imagine from around the world on his show, not only is he providing that value to his listeners, like you guys are to the students, what do you think his plethora of knowledge is from having those interactions hours at a time? You guys are going to grow exponentially from talking to people, not just necessarily myself, maybe you take something from what I say, but you're having experts on people who are giving you knowledge, you guys are going to benefit from this. And so that work that you put in one of the upsides and the, the payoffs for that work is you guys are going to grow exponentially because of who you have on the show as well. Oh, man, what well, we, we spoke some fire, we spent some fire today in this episode, Mr. Stuff, AP, that man. was some great knowledge, man. And, and we appreciate you taking your time on this Saturday to come on and, and speak. Nah, with man, us I appreciate and, you guys, man and speak to our listeners. But before we let you go, where can our listeners and viewers find you? Where are you at? Instagram, LinkedIn, email, where are we at? Yeah, so you can Google the Ryan David and all my stuff will probably pop up, but all my social media and my website and my YouTube is The Ryan David, T-H-E-R-Y-A-N-D-A-V-I-D, The Ryan David. So obviously the YouTube channel's there. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get over that 10K mark here. I'm not producing enough content lately to, to kind of get that flow again, but check out my YouTube channel if you like anything that I dropped today, any of the knowledge. I talk about a few of those things on there in a couple of videos and try to give a wide array of topics to talk on, to speak on. So the YouTube channel's out there. Instagram, I'll connect with you on Instagram, man. And, and I'd love for you guys to meet me over there on Instagram. I, I put content out on there as well, but I, I connect with you through Instagram. And then obviously if anybody's looking for, you know, coaching or speaking, my website's there as well, theryandavid.com. Happiness is a bad goal. Check it out on YouTube. Phenomenal, phenomenal video uh, by our see, very own see, Mr. AB. See, now you got to have me back on your podcast to talk about happiness because you just opened up that can right there. <laughs> Next time, we'll talk about happiness. Let's do it. Thank uh, you, Mr. AB. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. You guys take care.
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We really hope you enjoyed this one. This one had a lot of substance, a lot of tangible things that you can hopefully leave away with and implement it in your life starting today. We want to thank Mr. A.B. Ryan David for joining the podcast today. An excellent, excellent man, an excellent professor. Go give him a follow on Instagram at the Ryan David at the Ryan David. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. And don't forget, if you can, leave us a five-star review. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next week.